to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Today we are finishing our series on the book of Titus, so if you have a Bible you can turn to Titus 3 and conclude our series uh, today, this morning um, on Titus. Titus is a good guy, we've heard that he was quite brave, courageous, a Gentile, probably got saved from Paul um, and is really someone who's on the front foot and uh, a fantastic help to Paul. Uh, in setting up churches uh, and setting up um, ministry. Uh, We've heard about how he helped to set up elders and leaders in those churches and fantastic message last week of instruction to young men and old men and young women and old women and I really loved that part of the message because it was very definitive about who was young and who was old. And just great interpretation of scripture. So if you didn't hear that, you listen to that podcast. But if you're under 45, you're young. Um, and if you're over 45, you're old, which I really connected with because I've got a couple of weeks left of being young. And then uh, I shall be old and I uh, shall be put out to pasture like, like Tanya. <laughs> she's not here. No, she's with the children. I love my mother-in-law. Michael, are you 45 yet? I know we're same age brothers, but... He's still young, still young. Very good message. But um, um, some very practical instruction in this book uh, and very not the way of Australian culture or the culture of the world. Some of these things um, that we will start with here is not the way of the world or this culture that we live in, but definitely the way of God's kingdom, of God's ways. And it starts in verse 1 of chapter 3. Um, And it says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. These aren't aren't sort of favourite words, are they? They're not like hallelujah. Um, To be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one. Very not much a part of Australian culture. But to be peaceable, considerate and always gentle toward everyone. So it starts with this attitude of honour. To those who are in authority, and this verse is for people who are in government or civic or local community government, those kind of people. And God is the one who sets those people up. And we really have a fantastic system here in this nation and fantastic government, um, much different to what they had or or other places of the world. We don't typically get um, persecution or that authoritative kind of dictatorship here. We have a democracy, we have fantastic government. Um, and so for us, and e- even if you look where, where people post things on Facebook, and obviously the American election, um, there was some pretty aggressive things going on with people posting their opinions and 
telling us what they thought or, or putting it out there, what's right and what's wrong. But our call here is to be subject to these people, to honour them, and really the Bible says to pray for these people. That's our role, is to believe God for the best and to really pray for people who hold these positions. We don't need to pull up anyone's faults, especially our Prime Minister or someone like that. Our call is to simply pray and believe that God is going to work. He's got a plan, he's sovereign, and he used Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar as one of his instruments. If you've read about that guy, he was an evil guy and God used him for his sovereign purpose for generations to come. And so God will use these people who are in power and our role is to honour that and to pray for them and have consideration that God is on the throne, he's in control and our role is to really pray and believe for the best. So that's honour in the start. So then verse 3, at one time, we too were foolish. This is like the before Christ and after Christ. At one time we were too foolish. We too were foolish. We might have been too foolish, but we too were foolish. Disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. You know, people typically will live by what they feel they should do. If you think about it, people will do what they think they should do. And that's what they do. They are dictated by their passion and their pleasure and often in our nation by pressure, whether it's financial pressure or the pressure of loneliness or the pressure of a relationship or the pressure of, of whatever pressure there is, people will do what they think they should do and they will be selfish in that. And here, this before Christ, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But I love this verse, verse 4, but when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. When his love appeared, all that stuff was in the past. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared. When his kindness, you know, the Father is very kind. He is so kind. And when his kindness and his love appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So this love of the Father has appeared through Christ, in Christ, the shining moment of the love of God appearing on the planet. And when you receive Christ, there's a washing that takes place. Your sins are washed away. You get a new start. And then there's this work of the Holy Spirit that begins in your heart, begins in your spirit, cleaning out all the old stuff and replacing it with the love and the peace of God. You know, God is a philanthropist. He really is. A philanthropist is someone who has so much money you can't imagine how much money that they have. And Warren Buffett, I looked it up, he gave away $36 billion. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just far too much money for me to fathom. Uh, and he guys, some of these guys have so much money. And you hear of people like Bill Gates. Uh, and and I, I, I loved, uh, back in the 90s, they did a, the, a rock concert. They raised $8 million. And the rock group U2, they, they raised all this money and they, they did all this stuff. And then Bono found out, he's the leader of the band, found out that that only paid the interest on where they were giving it on their debt for a couple of weeks, this $8 million. So then he went on a bit of a 
passion and a bit of a journey and met with um, some influential leaders like the American president and all these people. And he, he used the wealth of his fame to influence these nations and see them released from debt. And he was known as a philanthropist in, in that season of his life. I'm telling you, God is a philanthropist, but his wealth is the wealth of his love. And a philanthropist will give their wealth or they'll influence where it's needed most. And we don't get philanthropists giving into Australia. We don't need it. We're a rich nation. You know, Warren Buffett's not, we're not on his radar. Oh, they're just struggling down there, down under, and the land down under, we just better give them $30 billion. It doesn't work that way. They're giving to where they need it most in, in some very poor nations, uh, and their influence, they're pouring their wealth into where it's needed most. God has poured out his wealth, the wealth of his love for the whole planet. He has so much wealth of love that he poured it out through Christ, and it's for everyone. It's for all people, for all time, and it's for you. And his love poured out through Christ is come today, now, is for you. You can receive that love. When you receive Christ, that is the first step to receiving the love of God. And then you can be baptized. If you haven't done that, we can do that. When you commit your life to Christ because you understand that he has loved you and given you this gift of love in Jesus. And so that is this love that has appeared, unmeasurable. The Bible says as high as the heavens are above the earth. In Psalm 103, I'm pretty sure I can be corrected. So great is his love for those who fear him. You look at the stars at night, you can't imagine how far that is. That's the measure that he's, that he's talking about. And he's poured this out through the cross for us. And then there's this work of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Your, your sins are washed away and then the Holy Spirit wants to renovate you on the inside. And a renovation is wants to change some things, break down some things. If robbers break in and steal some stuff, they probably do some damage on the way. You can kick the robbers out, but there's still some damage that needs to be cleaned up. And so there's this work of renewal that starts and occurs at the beginning and then it continues. And as you grow in God and as you walk with the Holy Spirit as you get to know him there's a continuation of this process and it continues as you mature in Christ going from glory to glory to glory and basically what that is is you get to discover the father Jesus has made the father known and his love has been released the work of the Holy Spirit within you and then he wants you to know who he is and he is a loving father and it, Jesus will reveal that to you once things are cleaned up a bit once you've been in quarantine for a little while and he's cleaned you up, once you've been renovated and he's working in you this love that comes out and there's this renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. In verse 7, it says, So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. What a fantastic passage of Scripture. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So we have what God has done. We have what he's doing 
and we have what he's going to do. This hope, this anchor, this living hope, which is anchored to promises, which is anchored to what Jesus has done, which is anchored in him about hope for the future. There's life after this. If Jesus comes back tomorrow, praise the Lord. If you have to meet him in heaven, praise the Lord even more. But he's going to come back one day. We, we have this hope for the future, this hope that God is doing something in us now. We remember what Christ has done. And this is a trustworthy saying. This is excellent and profitable. And this is something that we need to be careful with. Someone's careful. They're very focused on what they're doing. If I go to the dentist, I want him to be careful. I want him to be focused on what he's doing. He's pulling my teeth out. Mia's got braces and poor girl. We actually had to pull four teeth out. You're a pussy, Tim. (laughs) He's a great guy. (laughs) Anyway. He pulled, it was two sessions, he pulled the first two out, that's fine, we go back a couple of weeks later, and the next two out, and when he gets hold of the second tooth, the fourth tooth to come out, Mia moves ahead, knocks the tooth out, and she ate it, and um, <laughs> he's this old dentist, and he was horrified, he never had that happen, he was freaking out, she was freaking out, and I was trying not to laugh, and <laughs> he's being careful, but who knows what can happen. <laughs> And then she was really upset. She thought, oh no. And then he wanted to have a, make sure she hadn't, like, you know, gone down her lungs. She wanted to send her for x rays. I'm like, man, she hasn't, it's not down her lungs. She's breathing. Look at her. She'll be fine. And then, uh, then, then I'm like, well, you just better make sure you don't bite your bottom on the way home. That's all. I was just trying to make light of the thing for her because she was a bit upset. But you want someone to be care- Someone's careful. They're focused. Back to the Bible, please. They're focused. Focused. What are we focused on? We're focused on what God has done. We're focused on the Holy Spirit, what He's doing. And we're focused on this hope. We have this hope. We can't escape this hope of the future, of heaven, of what God is going to do in our future. And it says this, careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Doing what is good. When you do something good, good things happen. It's pretty deep. When you do something good, good things happen. Don't they, John? Imagine if John was like a bit blase. I've been to Lake Cajelico. I've got a bar graph 10 times. I don't think the ute can handle it this year. I couldn't be bothered going. And then Katie went out there and he didn't. Wouldn't have been very good, would it? Get married in a couple of weeks now. Hey, when you're doing good, good things happen. When you're doing good, Ephesians 2 verse says that we are God's workmanship. Yeah? We are God's workmanship. The Father, he's a pretty smart guy. He knows what's going on. He's actually been to your future. We are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. He knows what he's doing. And he wants you to do something. He wants you to do something good. And he set it up. Sometimes when I actually, I don't watch the news very often. But if I do, I can almost feel this sense of despair. And I've caught myself feeling a little bit despaired about what kind of world are my daughters going to inherit? The four of them, I think, far out. It, doesn't, it looks a little bit bleak. It can look a bit bleak. I've caught myself almost ca- catching on anxiety about their future. And I'm like, hang on a minute. 
God knows what he's doing. And they've been created for such a time as this. And he's preparing the work. He's already prepared the work for them. And now he's preparing them for the plans that he had before they came along. He's preparing them for the work that he's already prepared, that he's already been there. He's already seen what they've done. God has prepared your future and in your future is good works. That's how good the Father is. He is ridiculously good. And sometimes when you're, not, when you're doing good, not good things happen. And not good things happen either because you make a bad choice or because God is trying to change something in your character or the devil will have a go at you because he doesn't like good things. The Father loves good things. He is into good things. When he created the world, he said, look at that, it's good. He created people and he said, look at that, it's very good. He's always into good things. From the beginning, good things have been in his focus and he has good things in your future and he is good. When you do good, good things happen. When you do good, sometimes not good things happen. Years ago, when I was a very young Christian, went to Mexico. Some of you came, told this story before, but we got robbed. We got set up. These young guys came in the afternoon, scoped us out. We were working on a job site, building a home in a very poor community. The next morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, there they were waiting for us. And we were, hey, fellas, how you going? Then they all pulled out guns. And then they just drove off with our cars and all our stuff. And about 10 of us lost our passports in a group of 30. Some of the older men in there, I remember we're sort of debriefing, having meetings, talking about stuff. They started to get angry. God, how can you let this happen to us? Well, God can let a lot of things happen to you. He's all right. He's not upset. He's not freaking out going, Gabriel, what's going to happen next? I don't know. (laughs) Tell me. Get down there quick. So we just like, look, we're just like, right, what, what can we do? Well, we can pray. Let's start praying. And, um, and so we just have all these God incidences the whole trip all the way home. And we spend five hours at the Mexican-American border trying to get through this little group. And after about five hours, a couple of us are like, maybe we should pray that we can get through this. And we pray and we get through the border. We get to the American airport. I know, we were quick, very quick, five hours quick. And, um, and then we get to the American LAX Los Angeles airport, we're trying to get out of the airport, we've booked, we've got tickets for our flight, everyone else has gone through and that was the funny thing because the rest of our group they just went through because they had passports but we didn't, we sat there and we're waiting and our trip leader comes back, he's tired, he's dejected, he's like they're not letting us through, we're like alright what happened last time, oh let's pray, so we prayed there and then and they let us through. God is sovereign. He is there. He's there for you. He has been to your future and they let us through. And the scariest one was actually coming through the Australian airport. Those guys can be really intimidating. But um, again, praying, praying our way through. And that was such a fantastic experience because we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Our role is to pray and have faith and trust in this God who is good and has good things in your future in store for you. Yeah? I love the story of Joseph. You know, he got thrown into a pit, he got sold into slavery, and then he ended up in prison. And the whole time he just kept doing good things and believing God. Doing good things and believing God. He ended up the Prime Minister of Egypt And when his brothers came to him, he said, you meant this for evil because it was his brothers that sold him. But God meant it for good, for the salvation of many lives. And that's what we're about, is doing good, believing God for good things. All right, verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies. Yeah. 
Let's sit with you for a second. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels. I think we've covered it about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Now, he probably had, you know, a bit more Jewish culture impacting him. We don't quite have the same Jewish culture, but I tell you, we have a similar thing that goes on. It says in verse 10, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and are self-condemned. You catch things off people, you don't want to catch that kind of stuff. We have a similar spirit at work. And what happens is people get unfocused. But here, he's already told us to stress these things. Be careful to be devoted to doing what is good and stay focused on what God has done, on the work of the Holy Spirit that's going on in you right now and what he's doing in the future. And so people get unfocused because they get caught up. Hearts get caught up. Minds get caught up in a real sense of what is right and what is wrong. I'm right and you're not right. I'm right and you're wrong. And it's the way people are wired in their hearts. They have a real sense of justice. All you've got to do is drive down the road, cut someone off, and you'll see the justice rise straight up in someone's heart and come out their mouth. And it's amazing. It's amazing. And as I've said before, my remedy is just to speak Kiwi and keep on driving. Hey, bro, you cut me off. That's not fair. Because I find that Kiwi people are very peaceable. It's true. Try it. It'll help you out when you're on the road and you encounter the injustice of someone cutting you off or parking in your car spot. Just get another car spot. There's plenty around. Even if you've got to walk, walk a bit further. But he said, avoid these foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels. When I was very young, I was probably about 13, which is very young. If you know, if youth, young, if you're under 45 when you're young, that's very young. I mean, 13. Um, <laughs> And so, so I, I went to this church, and this minister, um, he, he, had a, he re- pretty much rebuked this, this guy. This guy was sharing, and he was making a point, but he really degraded the Word of God. He really put the Bible down. Uh, and being young and not really understanding, I thought, he shouldn't be rebuking this guy for what he did. And that sort of sat in my heart for a very long time. And what I developed, which is what a lot of people will develop, is a bit of a quarrel tangled up around my heart about, I thought, who God is. What I think who God is. And Christian people are a little bit hypocritical because they shouldn't do that kind of thing. But he was probably well within his right to do what he did, that I was just young and didn't understand it. But still, this quarrel in my heart. And so when I was 21, I um, was hitchhiking, which I did like twice in my whole life. And this guy picked me up and he asked me about the reason for the season. It was Christmas time. And I just said, oh, look, you know, obviously it's when Jesus came and I was totally unsaved and totally like fully unsaved. And he basically, he just said to me, oh, he asked me why. And he started probing questions. Why? And and then this this quarrel came out. And I said, it's because uh, I, I I told him that I thought Christian people were a bit hypocritical. I was like, oh, why is that? Because of this incident. I told him about it. And then he said to me, which was fantastic because it took the quarrel out, he said, people are people, but God is someone else, and you need to find out who he is. And that, I remember that lifting this quarrel out of my heart because it's a spiritual thing. And so then the next guy that witnessed to me a couple of years later, there was no quarrel there. He just told me his testimony, and I went, 
oh, that sounds too good to be true. I've got to check that out. But I see people get tangled up with quarrels, get caught up in arguments, their sense of what is right and what is not right. And a second vision comes in and takes the vision away from what God has done in Christ, what he's doing now, the work of the Holy Spirit, and what is to come. And you see people walk away from church because of a quarrel or an argument and they lose their sweet focus on the Father in those moments because they have a sense of what is right and what is not right. It was not right for Jesus to get crucified on the cross. When we connect with that, righteousness is released. And what do you need to address in that? All right, final remarks. Verse 12, As soon as I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me in the Nicopolis. And I have no idea if I'm pronouncing these right. <laughs> I've never um, met Artemis or Tychicus in the playground. Um, Tychicus. Um, and Nicopolis. It's uh, obviously a capital of something. Because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. And I'm confident that Apollos is pronounced like that. On their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for the urgent need and not live unproductive lives or another version says unfruitful lives. And what I notice with this is that Paul is the leader. He has a plan a plan to set up churches and a plan of salvation. He's been anointed by God. He's an apostle. And here we have some guys that are part of the team. And no one has ever done anything of significance without being a part of a team or in community or with other people. That's the way of the Father, is to be connected with other people. When the first guys got up on Mount Everest... Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, it took 200 people and over two tons of equipment to get them up the hill. I don't know if it's ever been called a hill. <laughs> and <laughs> they weren't even the first ones to try and get to the summit. It was just that the guys in front of them couldn't go any further because they were so stuffed. But they carved enough of a pathway for them to get up the top and to stand on the top. And everyone remembers... Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, and who were the other guys? But there was 200 of them, porters and people, and other people wanted to be the first up there, but they just were exhausted and couldn't go any further. But they carved the pathway for these guys to get to the top. We are part of the most important team on this planet, in this community. There's other teams around in other churches, but you have a significant place as part of the team. And here we have Artemis and Tychicus, Zenus and Apollos, all as part of the team. And Paul's giving him instructions about what's going to happen next. And they're doing it. They're into it. They're into it. Verse 15. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. What a fantastic finish. Grace be with you all. What a fantastic blessing with great confidence. You can come to the throne of grace and find mercy and obtain grace to help you in your time of need. And I love this, this finish and I love this, this, these passages because the focus here is on what God has done. Opened up a throne of grace, poured out love 
what he's doing now. This is a long time ago. This was written, but it's very relative for us now and what he's going to do. Can I have the band come up? Um, we're going to close. So about four years ago, I have this avocado tree, and it's a 20-odd-year-old avocado tree. It's got no fruit on it. And so I'm just like, man, I should just cut this thing down because that's my first reaction to a tree. Um, sorry, if you agree. <laughs> I plant more trees than I cut down, trust me. Um, <laughs> and so... I'm like looking at this thing and I'm thinking, no, it's an avocado tree. And there's a story in Luke where Jesus talks about digging. The, 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 he, he comes to the tree and in, th- in three years in a row, there's no fruit on it. I'm thinking there's no fruit on this tree. This tree is not bearing any avocados and it's 20 years old. And he just like, oh, he's going to cut it down. But the gardener says, let me dig around it. Let's water it. Let's see what happens next time. And so I think, all right, I'm going to dig around it. And, I, and the first thing I thought was, well, well, Jesus, he cursed a fig tree and it withered, so I'm going to bless this tree. So I actually stood there and I pointed out, I'm going to bless this avocado tree in the name of Jesus. Well, he did it, so I'm just doing the opposite. Um, and I blessed it and I stood there, I'm looking around and, um, and there were these massive gum trees sort of just across from it and a storm come through and knocked the tops off these gum trees and they were huge. And so we just got this crane and a chainsaw Everyone needs a chainsaw. Men, not ladies. Uh, and, um, and so we, we, we cut these things down, and what happened was all the light came through onto this avocado. All right, let's, let's keep going. And so then, then there's this other tree beside it. This vine has grown up this tree, and it's gone over the top, and it's fully covering the avocado tree. I'm like, well, that's got to go. We'll cut that down get rid of the vine and then there's some dead things on it so we just cut well I cut them off and then I'm digging around it and I put chicken manure and I'm watering this thing and one day I just forgot about it and left the tap on and watered it all night um, and the first year it got flowers on it. I thought that's good it's going to fruit and no fruit and I'm like right that's it we'll cut this thing down now all this work uh, and then I'm like no 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 let's keep going it's got to build strength so then I did it again watered it cut a few more things off it got three avocados the next year i'm like okay three all right keep the chainsaw away uh and then um the second the the third year there's 15 avocados on i'm like oh okay 15 so then i get my excavator out and i just pulled out this palm tree that was still shading it a bit and i just replanted it down the hill oh it's like going back to the sandpit days tim you would have loved it and then i just like more light more water, more fertiliser. I went out this year, I'm looking at the flowers. Oh, there's a lot of flowers. Man, there is so much fruit on this tree. It's just fully loaded. It's fully loaded. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray for you. I've never seen so many avocados on this tree. It says here, our, must people, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they provide urgent needs and not be unfruitful. And his focus here is on what God has done, and that's our focus in Christ, through the cross, on what he is doing, this work of renovation, of glory to glory, of the Holy Spirit within us, and what he's going to do. We remember that he will come back one day. There's a glorious heaven on the other side, And it gives us unwavering hope. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you, Lord. If you're tuning in online, just welcome you to pray with me. If you're in the cafe, 
And I just see that some of you, maybe you're overshadowed. You know, you're not bearing any fruit. You've got this shadow. It's a shadow of unforgiveness. Maybe you thought you could have been a better father or a better mother. Maybe you thought that what someone did to you was wrong, what someone said was wrong. Maybe there was a person in authority in your life and you struggle with the authority of God because you cannot forgive. You cannot forgive these deeper things. I believe that God will help you if you come to the throne of grace and find mercy and receive grace to help you cut down that thing that overshadows. And I see that some, there's been a vine grow up and it's just shadowing, it's just tangling. You've been caught up in an argument. You've been caught up in something that someone said and you, you, you sort of, yeah, they shouldn't have spoken like that. They shouldn't have done that in this season, in this time. And it causes you to, to not really connect or come to the throne of grace, find mercy, obtain grace to help you in your time of need. Some of you just need to cut some dead things off and let some light in and be watered by the Holy Spirit and let him come in and, and touch you and, and draw near to God and cause life to come up from the bottom up. Some of you need to draw into that, that quiet time, draw into the Word of God and start to pray. And you remember times and seasons when God felt very near. Well, he's always been near. He's always there. He's only ever one step for you to live in undivided devotion to him. Praise the Lord. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for the work of your Spirit amongst us. We thank you for what you've done for us through Jesus on the cross. We realign ourselves with that focus. Lord God, we focus on what you've done. We focus on what you're doing here in this time, in us and through us, together as a community. And we remember what is to come, that you have prepared good works. You are preparing us for those good works and we receive the grace to step into that future and have that hope that is anchored in that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.